Hello and welcome. Episode 85 of the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we are recording together in San Luis Obispo. Cheers, what is up? Uh, we got a recap championship weekend. It was a wild weekend in the NFL. We do have our Super Bowl matchup in LA finally settled. And wow, was it a wild matchup? Not one I expected, to be honest with you. And then we'll talk about Tom Brady officially retiring. The worst teams in the NFL right now because Cincinnati was one of the worst teams two years ago. So out of the worst teams, who has the best shot at making a run in the next two years? And then last, there's a lot of head coaching vacancies right now in the NFL. So we're going to talk about the most attractive spots for a head coach to go to in 2022. But first, you know what time it is. Run the music. Let's go. As I said in the intro, we're out here in San Luis. Matt's visiting me for the weekend. Well, I guess it's Monday, but the weekend, basically. It's your it's your weekend, yeah. So it's nice to have you here. We're in the icebox that is my garage right now recording this. So good luck to our audio. We'll see how it goes. But hey, welcome, dude. I love the high street hat. Yeah, it's a little colder than Vegas. Um, not in the comfort of my own home, which is nice. I am here with you. And we're doing this, man. So we'll see if we can get through some of our own technical issues today. But we have topics that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, My hometown Vegas team now has a new head coach, so that's kind of exciting. We'll see and kind of talk about that, I think, a little bit later as we talk about some of the positions that are still open. But uh, as of right now, the players aren't so stoked on it. Uh, Some of the fans are not stoked on the general manager choice. So just more drama in Vegas. And uh, I, I think it was a good hire. Ultimately, they hired a Patriot guy as the GM. They hired a Patriot guy as the coach. Patriot Way hasn't worked a lot of places, but I think it's good to bring it to Vegas. There's been a lot of drama. Yeah, and I mean, it's to be expected the way that they, you know, treated Rich Bisaccia. And he did, honestly, for an interim coach, I don't think he could have done much better. So I get why the current players would be upset about it, but at the end of the day, it's business. McDaniels has been one of the hottest coaching commodities in all of football for basically the past decade. He's really rewrote the ship after his kind of disastrous time uh, with the Denver Broncos, with Cutler and Brandon Marshall. But at the end of the day, dude, I I think it's a great hire and Vegas will be okay. I think if they re-sign Derek Carr, all will be well in Vegas land. I think that should be more the priority than, ah, shit, we got a coach that nobody likes. Well, and I think, too, you said it best. He's been a commodity for a while, right? He's had a lot of opportunity at other jobs, and to take this Vegas job, I think, means two things to him. A, it's time for him to go back into the head coaching ranks. It's time for him to take an organization with a general manager that he trusts and a roster that he can build around. But two, I think there's chatter around the NFL that Bill's kid is actually going to be the one to replace him. I, I think McDaniel's concept of I'm the heir apparent to Bill Belichick might be fading away. And, you know, every two, three years, we've been thinking, okay, Bill's done. He's not. Now his kids, I think, calling defensive plays. So what is this kid three years away from being a head coaching candidate? And Bill's probably thinking to myself, well, I'm going to give it to my kid over McDaniels, right? He's my blood. So I think McDaniels made the right choice getting out of town. I also think the Raiders, there's a lot more leeway when it comes to hire, uh, hiring and firing. I think they're going to give these guys five years to see what they have. 
That's a decent roster. And if you're not drafting absolute idiots like the last two were, I mean, the truth is they were. They drafted guys that had no business going in the first round. You know, One of them literally pulled a gun on the valet in Vegas on, I think, Saturday, right after the Chiefs had signed him. Like The shit that has gone on there is incredible. I think these two will definitely like shore up the uh, emotional intelligence of some of these players. Yeah, and I mean, you've been kind of preaching this all season when it comes to Vegas as just being your hometown team that you just like to root for because you live there right now. Um, is They just need discipline, right? They need discipline in the building. They need some sort of sense of order and way. And hey, we're going to hold you guys accountable. And if you're not going to be able to live up to a professional standard, we're going to trade you or cut you or, you know, just hold you onto the team and hold you hostage a little bit. So I think McDaniels will bring a positive influence there. And I think a GM that's not this big, flashy, high pressure GM that you need to make you know moves with plays with and just like hey this is Mike Mayock from the NFL Network and he has all this pedigree and is on TV like hey give the guy a shot I think he'll be fine So championship weekend started off in Kansas City, and Lord did it start off. Fireworks going, Mahomes going crazy, Tyreek Hill going crazy, Kelsey gets a touchdown, Cincinnati can't get anything going, and then halftime comes. And five seconds before halftime, this was the game-changing play, and there was a game-changing play in the other game, but this one out there in Kansas City, what happened was Patrick Mahomes told Andy Reid, let me get one more shot, five seconds left, I know I don't have a timeout, let's get in the end zone, let's put this game away. And he made the first of many boneheaded mistakes by Mahomes throughout that game, decided to throw the ball to Tyreek Hill behind the line of scrimmage. The defender for Kansas, or excuse me, for Cincinnati, phenomenal play, wrapped up Hill, no points. It was only twenty-one to three, but twenty-eight to three at half ends it right there. Or twenty-four to three, really good momentum. The momentum switched right to Kansas City, or excuse me, Cincinnati, which ultimately led throughout the entire second half. And as I talked about last episode, I was ready to say if Mahomes won this game, he arguably has just passed the resume of a Big Ben, of an Aaron Rodgers, of an Eli Manning, of the entire generation that just retired. But that was the worst half of football I've ever seen him play. And you know what? At the end of the day, the Chiefs didn't play great, but it falls on your leader. And if we're going to sit on our podcast and tear apart guys like Aaron Rodgers, right? If we're going to bash on Matt Stafford all season for being bad, we got to hold Mahomes accountable. And that was a very pedestrian losing effort by him. He lost that game for KC, in my opinion. Well, and let's look at the the kind of the category that Mahomes is now falling in, right? We said he was going to pass Rodgers. He was going to pass Breeze. He was going to pass Big Ben and kind of all like vault himself into this new echelon of quarterback tiers. With his loss, I would argue he did the exact opposite. He's now in the classification of Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Breeze, right? The guys that up until this point, have only won one Super Bowl. Guys that had a window to win and came up short over and over and over, right? That is Breeze. That is Rodgers. I think with Russ, you look at that and you say, okay, Russ really only had one really big shot at winning another Super Bowl, and he throws that pick to Butler. But Mahomes' window is closing. You know, he his contract, is his numbers are only going to go up over the next two, three years per dollar per year, which is going to hurt the roster, make it a lot harder for them to sign guys. I saw this week that OBJ is being talked about in circles around KC. How? With what money? You're paying Mahomes $50 million a year. And don't get me wrong, that first half, he's worth every penny. Josh Allen, worth every penny of $50 million. 
But as his contract continues to get into the later years, you're not going to be able to keep Chris Jones. You're not going to be able to keep the Honey Badger. You're not going to be able to go out and sign Jarek McKinnon, who had an, again, great first quarter. They didn't run him enough. They didn't play him enough in the screen. And what I'm really starting to see, and you had said this a few weeks ago, Mahomes could turn into Rodgers. Mahomes could turn into Rodgers. This roster is set up very similarly. Rodgers had his shot. He hit it and then really never got himself back there. And Mahomes played himself out of this football game. Credit to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. They just played football. They didn't go out there and have amazing performances. There weren't, you know, 200 yards receiving by Chase in the second half. They just didn't give up. They kept playing. They held Mahomes. And at the end of the game, they said, you know what? We can tie it. We can go into overtime. We don't win the coin flip. We're not giving up. And they win the game. Very different story than the week before. And I honestly, I, th- I think we're starting to see the new ascension of the Bengals. And I think we're going to see kind of an opposite train from the Chiefs over the next couple of years. Money's going to be tight. Yeah, and I and I don't necessarily agree with you when you say that Mahomes. I don't think Mahomes' window is closed, but I think you made your point for me that the team's window is closing. Right, Tyron Matthews getting older, Tyree Kill's getting older, Travis Kelsey's getting older. Um, you know, it's similar with Rodgers, right? Nelson left, Jennings left, Driver left, Michael Finley. You know, Nick Collins had a really bad injury. I've been telling my buddies that are Chiefs fans that this team eerily reminds me of the primetime Packers. Fortunately for them, they've already gone to more Super Bowls than Rodgers did but at the same time like this is a generational talent you win a lot of games because of him finally have lost a game in spite of him and I'm really interested to see what happens with the Chiefs and uh, and similar to the NFC during Rodgers prime you know you had Breeze you had Russell Wilson you had those Niner teams you have all these guys that end up getting to the Super Bowl shit the AFC is no joke for the next six years easily right like the first quarterback that you think maybe could fall off is Lamar Jackson but he's got five six more years in him easily barring injury then you got Josh Allen you got Burrow the list goes on that you don't want to be in the AFC right now and you have teams like the Steelers that are going to you know they're going to be back the Steelers aren't an organization that's going to be down for a long time here after Big Ben and I don't know it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens in the offseason with Kansas City I personally don't think they need another wide receiver I think they need to get a running game established you're 100% right what happened to McKinnon in the second half what happened to Clyde Edwards Hilaire what happened to being balanced they got one dimensional and Credit honestly, in my opinion, all the credit does go to Cincinnati. They completely flipped their defensive mentality, held them to literally three points in the second half, and that's how you win and lose football games. Well, and I think that's a really good point you bring up about the running game. And it was the Bengals that took Kansas City out of their own game plan. But at the same time, when you look at the Packers, you look at Kansas City, you look at uh, the Seahawks, right? Play calling is such a huge factor in the playoffs. You don't run the ball, you choose to pass it. Okay, there's a ring off your finger. You know, you be conservative. How many times have the Packers been conservative and has it cost them in a singular playoff game and we look back and say, wow, you should have done this. And you look at Kansas City here and you say, wow, they had a three-man front. They were only running one, you know, linebacker in a zone flat scheme. Like, why weren't you running the ball for nine yards every single carry? And it's easy to look back on that, but when you get so strongly built into an identity like the Chiefs do, you get a little cocky and you get a little a little bit ahead of yourself. You think to yourself, I've got to put up 45 in this game. Okay, that, that first drive in the second uh, half didn't go our way. We're going to get it the next drive. Next thing you know, it's six minutes left in the fourth quarter and you haven't scored a point in that half. 
And I think this is the issue with a lot of teams in the league. You've got to just have a very balanced approach, and you've got to stick to what's working. You know, I think to a lot of the teams that I've watched through the years, you have a running back. Maybe it's your second or third string guy that got 12, 13 touches in the playoffs because he was hot, and you rode him. You just kept him going. So I think ultimately the Chiefs have their guys. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is awesome. I think Jarek McKinnon probably got himself paid, so he probably won't be back. But the concept that they were running the past three, four weeks was working. They just stopped doing it. And I think that's the biggest shame in this. And now you're talking about a Super Bowl coming in for the Bengals, a very balanced approach. Mixon had an incredible game. He may not have put up 200 yards, but there were three, four, five runs where I saw to him where I was like, damn, that's the difference in this game right now. They can trust him. They can trust him when they absolutely need him. And at the end of the game, look what happens. He had a 16, 15-yard run, I think, to really set them up for that touchdown and ultimately balance, right? Like the Rams are going to struggle with that. I think Akers isn't fully back yet, or if he is, they're not fully trusting him yet. So looking towards two weeks from now, I see a very balanced team going up against a very singular pass-heavy team, much like we just watched on Sunday. Yeah, man, and I think at the end of the day, as we move into the second game from this past weekend, end of the day, man, um, more teams are losing games than winning games this postseason, and and it's no discredit to the teams that are winning. You know, these two games this weekend were both lost, not won, in my opinion. And the teams that are winning the Super Bowl this year have just hung around, didn't make the crucial mistake, and made sure they were there at the end and had the momentum. Like that's kind of been the the theme of every single weekend of the playoffs for me, starting with Wild Card Weekend all the way to Divisional, and then this past weekend is some of these teams just flat out lost these games. And hey, the teams that are here are supposed to be here because they're more well rounded. So it's been really interesting. Yeah, speaking of the 49ers, man, what a damn game. What a season for the 49ers. You know, we, we gave them our due praise, you know, gave them a shout-out all season, and they beat the Packers fair and square. Did we think they deserved to win? No, but they won. And, dude, when they went up 17-7, to I thought they had it, man. I really did. I thought they were going to win it. I, I honestly thought they were the team of destiny this year. They were the team no one thought were supposed to be there, but they just were. And, and uh, give them credit, man. We fucking love Debo. Badass, dude. Kittle, badass. Jimmy G. I'm a Jimmy G guy. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. But if you're going to war with a quarterback that your team will rally behind and he'll at least get you there, I'm in on Jimmy G. A lot of guys can't do that, you know? I know that's controversial, but the proof is in the pudding. All he does is win, and I don't think he lost them that game. I think at the end of the day, what lost them that game, and everyone knows it, I I think it should be pretty obvious, is when Tart dropped that pick, man. Like, and I'm not gonna put the game on Tart. Like, the game goes more than that. But when he did not intercept that ball, it changed everything. We were literally watching the game. We're at the bar. And I'm like, oh shit! There's there's the Stafford moment. There is the Stafford moment. I've been, we've been waiting all postseason for Stafford to have his moment of Jesus Christ. Did he really just did he really just throw that ball? And he did. And Tart dropped it. Next play, dime to Odell and a 15-yard penalty. Next play, dime, boom, they're in the end zone, and it was over for the Niners. Rough, rough sequence of events, but I, I want to, before I let you go here, man, I just I do want to give a shout-out to Stafford. He did play well. He did step up when he needed to. He led the drives when he needed to, and guess what? They didn't capitalize on his big mistake, and he made him, he made them pay. So two weeks in a row, I give the MVP of the Rams game to Matt Stafford. So shout out to him. He played really, really well again. Yeah. And 
I have a little bit of a different take on this. Uh, watching Aaron Rodgers for 14 years, and what I just said about attacking, there's one thing that he would never do, and that's throw that pick, ever. He wouldn't. He almost did it two weeks ago. Yeah. He almost did it. Um, that is absolutely something Brett Favre would do. It is something that Brett Favre did multiple times. And when you talk about Jimmy G and you talk about Matt Stafford, both of those guys, the same bag, they will always make one singular mistake that loses their team the entire game, and this would have been the season. Then you would have talked about changing legacy. You would have talked about, you know, are they trading Matt Stafford now? Like, we put this team together, and it was ultimately Stafford that lost them the game. Matt Stafford isn't the MVP to me. It's, at this point, Sean McVay. He has done and showed me more over the last, I'd say, two, three weeks, four weeks, you know, even with that loss of the 49ers in the regular season, that he's learning as a head coach, that he is starting to maybe pass our boy Shanahan as the best coach, young coach in the league. We're going to find out come uh, come next season, obviously, in, in, in a couple of weeks here in the Super Bowl. We have two coaches, 136 and 138 in Taylor and McVay. But this team was ready to play. This Rams team was ready to play. And Tart's drop is just always going to live in my mind. It's just one of those moments that you never forget, whether it's Butler's interception from Wilson and not hang, handing it off to Marshawn Lynch, or it's the Packers' meltdown when they played Seattle. It's one of those playoff moments that you just look back and say, I remember that play, right? It was the the Bostic dropped onside kick or the the, the fake field goal or the, the, the missed running opportunity by the Seahawks. And Tart had an opportunity. I think if the 49ers win that game, they win the Super Bowl. The momentum was literally in their hands. They'd beaten two teams at that point that were arguably way better than them in the Packers and the Rams. They had beaten the Cowboys, who were a very good offensive regular season team against bad bad defenses. And it was, it was their trophy. So I'm not going to give Stafford the trophy for the simple fact that that ball should have been picked. And you don't, you don't make that throw. Burrow didn't make that throw. You know, Mahomes did. Right, like, and what happened? He got intercepted, and I, I think it's funny that we're not talking about that in the national media. That it was Stafford, it was Rodgers, it was Mahomes. All three of them threw very, very bad balls that put their teams in very bad positions. Only one of them ended up actually being intercepted, and that one we're we're talking about right now in Mahomes. But these quarterbacks are taking some shots, and my thing is they're not taking shots early enough, right? Mahomes can rally past his mistakes. You throw an interception in the second quarter, that's just going to fire you up to play better. When you're making critical mistakes at the end of the game, you don't give yourself a chance to recover. And that Rodgers to Adams pass that we saw a few weeks ago in double coverage, make that in the second quarter. You know, let him t- let him pick it off. Get yourself fired up. So again, I think Stafford's going to make that same mistake in the Super Bowl. I'm surprised we didn't see more of it from Jimmy G. And credit to Jimmy G. Like you said, I would take him if I'm a rebuilding team or I'm a mediocre team. I'll take Jimmy G right now because he's a winner and he almost won that game. He didn't lose that game by any means. He necessarily can't drive down the field and score when you need him to, but that's why they that's why the 49ers built an offense around him. And again, shout out to Debo. What an incredible game. Um, what what more can you ask for from the kid? The kid is probably going to get paid. And I said said this to you at the bar just the other night. If anyone deserves the $30 million that Devontae Adams is asking for, it is Debo Samuel. What he does on the field playing two, three positions at a time is just incredible. And uh, to see his emotional reaction shows you how much he wants to win. And I think how driven he will be where and whenever he signs this offseason. And man, as a fan, I want him. You know, I hope the 49ers feel the same way and I hope they pay him. Yeah, you honestly, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was going to be the last thing I said about the game was, hey, Aaron Donald, Ramsey, you know, I, I'm, I'll am i be the first to admit I'm a hater when it comes to the Rams. I'm not not really a big fan of a lot of their players, their fan base. 
Um, but non-biased, man. Like they do deserve it. They they've been the most consistent team in the NFL this year. I personally was the most scared of them as a Packer fan to play in the playoffs. Never got the opportunity. They deserve it. But the last shout-out I wanted to give was to Debo Samuel. Um, and this isn't taking anything away from Cooper Cup. This isn't a shot at Cup. I thought Cup had a great game, too. It's proved a lot of people, myself included, wrong. But I just really, I truly believe after this entire season and this postseason that there's not a player in the NFL like Debo Samuel. And what he said in his press conference of, I don't watch film because no one plays like me, was cocky but so true at the same time. I, The Niners, his touchdown single-handedly changed that game and I thought was going to win them that game. I haven't seen a player like Debo Samuel, I don't think ever. I think his best comp is to Tyreek Hill. You know, just this game-breaking speed, but he brings a whole other aspect of physicality that I don't know. I do like he reminds me of Mike Allstott, dude. Like that's what I think of when I see Debo Samuel out there trucking people, juking people. Obviously, Allstott a big white fucking fullback, but that's who he reminds me of. Like, but you know, and obviously on a whole other level. But yeah, that's the last thing I wanted to say about the game was Debo Samuel's got to be. He's got to be the coolest damn NFL player if you love hard-nosed football. He he was the MVP of the of the regular season to me. He no other player uh, position player in the NFL was more valuable than Debo Samuel. It's not it, in my opinion it's not even close. It's already the off-season. We got off-season news. Uh, the greatest player of all time? Retired. Um, I, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this, honestly. I think this was the perfect time for Brady. Unlike Favre, unlike Peyton, unlike Breeze, I had a feeling Brady was going to go out with me never, seeing him, me never seeing him look like a piece of shit on the field. And that's exactly what he did. He threw for the most touchdowns ever by a guy at his age. I think he's up there top touchdown passes in a season ever. Uh, 5,000 damn yards, you know, best record in their division. Arguably could have won two playoff games, right? Uh, Brady, he looked like he could play for five more years. So the question forever will be, could Brady have kept going? Could he have played till he was 50? Did Giselle actually say, dude, it is fucking time. You need to stop. And I think she did. And I think it was right on Tom. Like, it didn't feel right for him to come back one more year. He had his run in Tampa. They won last year. Just a sick story. And it just seemed like the wheels fall off, fell off in Tampa Bay. Arians lost control of the team. And they were all in this year. They literally can't afford to bring everyone back. So, you know, I, I don't like Brady. I've liked him more in his Tampa years here. Um, if I'm being bluntly honest I fucking hated him for 15 years um and it is what it is I feel like if you're not a Pats fan you hated Brady right more like that now people are hating Mahomes because he's just good every year and his his siblings and whatever and his wife but like Brady you just hated him because that motherfucker was sending you home every single year and if your team was at home he was on TV in the dance and it just sucked so at the end of the day in 10-15 years when I'm telling my kid about Tom Brady it's gonna be like yeah that was the baddest motherfucker to ever play football, and I hated him, and he deserves that. I saw the best stat this week, and I'm sure some of you out there that are uh, on Instagram following the great sports pages also saw this. Tom Brady was more likely to lead his team to a conference title than actually complete a, complete a pass. I think it was like 68.3% likely in his career to get you to or win the uh, champ, the league championship in that conference than it was to complete a pass, which was like 66.8. 
That's incredible. I mean, that is just, it's a mytho- it's, it's mythology. It's crazy. Tom Brady will go down as the greatest of all time. And I think you're right. I think Bruce Arians' ability to control that locker room, Antonio Brown kind of undid all of that, right? The Godwin injury also didn't help a lot. You had injuries all across that team. Fournette was out for a while, got to the playoffs, got upset. And that's just how it goes in the football world. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers possibly retiring, who I think is seven, eight years younger than Tom Brady. And the opportunity for Rodgers to come back and play is also in question. So for Brady to retire and not show the, the fact that he's 45 years old is genius. Because what are we saying about Big Ben? What are we saying about Drew Brees? It, it changed our entire perception, at least my perception of these guys. Yes, I remember when Big Ben was great. Yes, I remember when Breeze was great. What is more relevant in my mind? The more recent ability of these guys. Breeze looked awful those last couple of years. Had no business playing football. He was out there because he was a saint and Sean Payton was there. And honestly, we know now they had nobody else really to lean on. And Big Ben, kind of the same thing this past year, right? Like he had the injury, so he wanted to come back. He wanted to give it one more run, and he honestly just wasn't done. And they're forever tarnished in my mind because I will remember them as the old guys that just couldn't get the job done. Brady won't be the same, right? Like he played fantastic this season. He will always go down as the best quarterback of all time. But even one little chink in that armor is something that I don't think he would have allowed. And this is the perfect example of that. Whether it was really Giselle or he's just saying that because it's a really easy way to be accepted into retirement, maybe he's just done. Or like you said, maybe the Tampa Bay Bucks, that locker room is fractured and he knows damn well, I'm not coming back next year and winning more than 10 games because this team just could not get over the fact that we, we won a Super Bowl. They drank the juice and they didn't want more of it. Yeah. Or, you know, there's a lot of possibilities, but... I think ultimately Brady will retire. I think he's probably going to come out in the next few weeks. We talked today, me and you, that there's a salary bonus uh, kicker on February 4th, which would make him about 15 extra million dollars. That's a really good reason not to officially retire. Um, I think $15 million, you know, just for the hell of it of not retiring is pretty nice. But this is a big question for the Bucks now, you know, big question of does Arian stay? And I think it cements Brady's legacy and it's a great time to hang it up. So for the second to last segment of the episode today, we're going to do something fun. So Cincinnati Bengals, if you all didn't know, they had the worst record in football two seasons ago when they drafted Joe Burrow. Obviously, getting a generation talent like Burrow helps. So Matt and I are going to play a quick game here. Out of the five, We're going to do the five worst teams, not the worst team in the NFL. Out of the five worst teams, who has the best shot to make it all the way to the dance? In two seasons. Here are the five teams. The New York Jets, the New York Giants, the Houston Texans, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville, Jaguars. Mateo, I will let you go first. Out of those five teams, who do you think actually could make a run in the next two seasons? Yeah, so this one was hard. My first initial reaction was the Lions. But I'm a Lions fan now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. never over the Packers. But I love the culture that Campbell's building there in Detroit. And then I thought, okay, realistically, do they have the roster in two years to make it to the Super Bowl? No, absolutely not. They just don't. They need a quarterback. They need a little bit of a better offensive line. And they need some defensive players that can make plays. They don't have that right now. You don't find that necessarily in two years. Sure, Burrow was a, an extreme anomaly. I mean, the Bengals were 75-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. 75-1. to 1. I'm an idiot for not just throwing down five bucks, first off. But we also didn't know what Burrow was going to be this year. And now we do. So with all that being said, 
roster construction in my mind, new head coach, I'm going to take the New York football Giants. <laughs> I think Dobble is a huge addition to this team. I have talked a lot of shit about Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones is not an NFL quarterback in my mind. He may be a backup, but not a starter. And I think Dobble might actually be able to lock, unlock some abilities that we have not seen from Jones. We know he's got a good arm. We know he can run the ball. Okay, Dobble, can you get him to throw accurately? And can you get him to use these massive weapons that he has in front of them? But the biggest thing, for at least in my opinion, it's Saquon Barkley. You have a generational talent, a top five running back in the league, a guy that in the past has shown you that he can touch the ball 35 times a game. If you can run the ball and get even a little bit out of Daniel Jones, I think a possible Super Bowl run could be possible if you build around that defense as well. And they've got a lot of draft picks this year and the next couple of years to really change the identity of that defense. Yeah, I don't hate the pick, honestly. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Dayball, but I agree with you. And, and that guy, he's the one, he, he has taken credit and been given credit for transforming Josh Allen. So if he can make Danny Dimes, Jimmy G, right? A game manager, someone who's not going to completely fuck the team over and get you W's. Like, I agree. The NFC West, or sorry, excuse me, NFC East with Dallas, like, you know, that's a winnable division. Definitely, maybe not next year, but the year after that. I totally agree with you. Um, thinking Saquon back, Sterling Shepard doing his thing, Kadarius Tony, like their offense has the potential. Um, I, I don't hate it. So my pick, I like the Giants. I, the, my first thought was actually the Lions too, but at the end of the day, I think we all know what Jared Goff is. And unfortunately, um, as much as we love Dan Campbell, I don't think he's Sean McVay, right? Where Sean McVay took Goff to that Super Bowl. Uh, this is, I mean, this is obviously a hypothetical, but I think if I was going to put money on either one of those five teams, I think I'd pick the Jets, dude. I think I'd pick the fucking Jets. They're in the AFC, and I hate that. And I hated Zach Wilson coming out. But I love the offense at the end of the year. I think their defense is highly underrated. And they have a fuck ton of draft picks again. And, like, Zach Wilson looked all right, you know? Um I really think they have potential. You know, I think the Dolphins are really going to start dropping off now that they got rid of Flores. I think that's going to be a catastrophic mistake for them. Patriots, I know, is going to be tough, right? And just in that division alone. And then we got Josh Allen. But let's be real. Josh Allen is going to get paid. Buffalo is going to fall into the same issue that Kansas City is going to have. I don't think the Jets are going to be better, but I don't think Cincinnati's better right now than Buffalo. I don't think Cincinnati's better than Kansas City. I don't think Cincinnati is better than Baltimore with a healthy Lamar Jackson personally, but it doesn't matter because they're there. And all it takes is the stars to align you to get hot and we'll pick the Jets, dude. Like, I think the Jets have a solid foundation right now, and I like Sala. I'm going to say Dobble for the next 15 <laughs> years just for our listening audience, those of you that care. Um, it's Dobble for me, and I'm sure, Matt, you are probably correct, but Dobble sounds way better, and uh, when they go to the Super Bowl in two years, I'm going to have a big-ass sign, <laughs> and it's going to be pronounced Dobble. Let's go. I picked you two years ago. Um, you know what? In all honesty, I don't think any of these five teams really make the Super Bowl. I think the Jets have a good foundation. I think they're going to continue to build that. I like the culture that's there, right? Matty LaFleur's brother's up there. Salah's there. But I just want to talk about for a moment that the Cincinnati Bengals are an absolute anomaly. We were wrong, dead wrong in this last draft series that we did about Chase. We thought they made a mistake. We loved Chase. We thought Chase could probably be what this is. 
but we just didn't think that an offensive line was going to be able to hold up. And Jesus, nine sacks the week before, you know, the biggest fear of Burrow being hurt again. But when you draft a guy that's an absolute winner, number one overall, that has the arm talent, that has honestly fought through adversity, I think that's the biggest thing, right? A four-year benched quarterback for the most part at Ohio State, only a transfer to LSU. He's showing in the NFL right now how that adversity changed him and what it is leading him into being, which is a leader and a great quarterback. And again, he's 25 years old, right? How many second, third-year quarterbacks are actually ready to step into those shoes? So I don't necessarily think any of the five teams that we just spoke about really do have a chance, but it'll be fun to watch. I think these teams will improve. All of them either have good head coaches or at least a young quarterback that could step up and become great. And it'll be interesting over the next couple of years to see who the new teams are at the bottom of that little conference, right? We got our boy Davis Mills out there in Houston too. Like he could be something. So two years from now, shit, man, maybe it's the Packers at the bottom of the list. Maybe it's the Buccaneers. We, we just don't know. It could be the Saints next year. All right, so to wrap up the pod today, we are going to go over our favorite landing spot here for the next head coaching vacancy right now. We've got most of them filled out, but we want to talk about our two favorite positions still remaining. Right now, we did have uh, McDaniels go to the Raiders, and we have had the Broncos spot filled. We have had the Bears get filled with their spot as well. So there's not much left out there, but Sean Payton did leave. Mike McCarthy's still got his seat, or else I'd say Dallas is the sexiest spot to go, but that's to be determined. But Matt, I'll let you go first, buddy. Who do you like? What's the job that you're feeling the most confident in if you're a head coach in the NFL? And honestly, I'm going to change that a little bit um, because the most confident I will feel is the Vikings. Which job do I want? It's the Jaguars. Okay. Right? I want the Jaguars job. I want a job where I know I have job stability. I'm going to be given time to develop my team. Not a team where I'm going to come in, have expectations, even slightly immediately, and then have to rebuild in two years because those expectations were unrealistic, and I didn't have the team to go after a Super Bowl. I want the Jags job. I've got a second-year quarterback who, in all you know, national media attention, was completely put out to pasture by our boy Urban Meyer, right? Didn't really give him a real shot. So Trevor Lawrence was the number one quarterback in our last class for a reason. He was an athlete. He was a, he was a quarterback, right? He was a thrower of the football at Clemson. And I think when you talk about most sexy jobs, the number one pick, a generational first overall pick, which Trevor had been touted as since a freshman, is the job I want. I've got a good running game. You know, I know that Robinson tore the Achilles, but he should be back. You have ETN coming back off the ACL. At least I know I can run the football. I've got draft picks. I'm going to build up that offensive line. I've got some wide receivers, right? Like, yes, they are at times shaky, but I've got a veteran out there in Marvin Jones. And honestly, my defense really isn't that bad. I've got Campbell from the past draft that we filled with the Ramsey pick. Like, okay, at least I know I have a corner to build around. I've got Miles Jack. I've got Allen on the outside rush. Like, this is a team that I think in two, three years with the right draft picks and the right coach, I'm in the playoffs probably continuously. Like, what am I going to play against? Carson Wentz? Okay. You know, Houston, they're hurt. Tennessee, Derrick Henry's going to be 31 at that point. It is literally my division for the taking. And the fact that Urban Meyer screwed this up so badly is just distasteful. Yeah, you actually make a really good good argument there, honestly, because their division is shit. Like, going into a shitty division is the reason I picked the team that I'm going to talk about here in a second. Um, 
but yeah, dude, I you actually make some really valid points there. And if they do have the right person, and you do get the Trevor Lawrence that I mean, I'm hoping is there. Like, I don't want Trevor to be a bust. I loved Trevor in college. He's a fucking badass, dude. That game he had against Ohio State, dude, the national championship. The, the he's a badass. Like, he's a good player, and I hope that's who he's gonna be in the pros. But. You make some good points. I like that. Uh, who I'm going to take is the team you talk about most confident. I should have reworded my question better, but is is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I think I'm more of a short-term, not long-term thinker when this comes to these things because I think the Vikings could make a Super Bowl run. I do think their team is that good. Yes, with Kirk Cousins as well because I'm just going to keep using the man, Jimmy fucking G. Like, Kirk Cousins is better than him. Like, you just need to be able to use him in the right way. And they have a running back, if healthy, top three in the league. Like, run your your team through Dalvin, through Justin Jefferson, probably a top five receiver, you know, easily top ten. And they have a solid defense. I think they just lost their – I think COVID fucked their team this year. And this is not a political podcast, but the coach – and the quarterback did not see it eye to eye with this whole vaccination thing. And Cousins, the one game they needed him the most, out because of COVID against the Packers. And I think that really, really fucked every. Like I think that was the nail in the coffin for everything over there. Um, but I, I like the Vikings. I like their roster. Uh, I say weak division because you know if Rodgers doesn't come back, there's no reason the Vikings should not be the favorite to win that division. I don't care how dumb the fans in Chicago are thinking that their future is now for them. They're good. The Vikings without Rodgers are, in my opinion, better. Um, I think they have the best shot at making the playoffs. And then we've been talking about this, and this is going to be something in the offseason we talked about during our draft series and in our preview for next year. If you want to pick a team in a conference, it's got to be the NFC right now because the young quarterback talent and just the quarterback talent in general is all on the AFC side right now. The NFC side is dwindling, and if Rodgers and Russ Wilson find their way out of there, I mean, it's a fucking crapshoot at this point. So I, I like the Vikings' job, but you did. I think you did a very good job of convincing me about Jacksonville. My biggest issue with Jacksonville is the owner. I just don't. I just this is kind of fucked up, but I just don't think he knows how to run a football team. I know he knows how to make money and how to bring people in, but I just don't think he knows how to run a football team and culture matters. And I think Minnesota does have a great culture up there. They just needed a change of the guard. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think Minnesota is is a very enticing job. My one issue with it, and this is again, like if I'm an NFL coach on the street and I'm getting calls, if I'm getting offers, I'm thinking to myself, okay. Minnesota, we're going to be nine and eight. We're going to be 10 and seven. You know, we're going to be eight and nine. I'm never getting a premier player in the draft, right? And you look at, you look at Burrow and you look at Chase. They literally took that franchise in two drafts to a Super Bowl, right? Yes, there were other pieces. I'm not throwing anybody else that, you know, is deserving of that from the Bengals under the bus. Exactly. But, when you think about building a team and as a new coach, what you need, you need playmakers. They've got Jefferson. They've got Cook. I get that. That's nice. But I want a little bit more than that. I want the ability to have at least two draft classes where I get my choice as a head coach to say, that's my guy, right? Because now you have Lawrence. Now you have Campbell. Now you have Allen. Now you have Miles Jack. You've got ETN, right? Add three more names to that list. Now you're scary. 
possibly, right? Minnesota, you're sitting down at the 11th pick, maybe the 13th, maybe the 21st. Oh, there's a nice defensive tackle out there. Like, okay, there's a good middle linebacker. There's no safety that's going to change your franchise. There's no cornerback that's going to turn into Ramsey, right? That's what scares me. But you're right, man. This is the I think this is the thing for these coaches too. You go interview at Jacksonville. Does Does the owner say, listen, at the end of the day, it's my team. I own it. If I call you and I tell you that, you know, Robinson is starting over ETN, you're listening to me. Or I need to tell you that, you know, Marvin Jones isn't running his routes hard enough, only have Lawrence throw to Shark. I'm going to say fuck off. Like that's not, we talked about that today off the podcast. We talked about Lombardi, right? The podcast podcast that you listen to, and that's part of how he was managed from what you told me. I'm not about that. In that case, I'll go to Minnesota. We're going to tell from this next head coach that goes to Jacksonville, do they have any shot in the future? Because this owner will destroy Trevor Lawrence if he mingles too much. Yeah, and I mean, that, that that's the possibility. And that's something, yeah, Matt referred to Mike Lombardi, the GM shuffle pot. I love that podcast. Uh, Mike was an unsuccessful GM in, in Cleveland, and he admits to it. And he said, I also knew I signed up for a job that I didn't have full authority. And I think that happens. I'm, I'm probably 67, more than a majority of the percent across the league which is why you see the same teams dominate year over year, right? Because they actually run like a football organization. But should be interesting to see. Maybe a good coach will bring your Jaguars to a championship here in the next three years. Maybe the Jets or Giants will be there as well. But everyone will be back Thursday. Uh, we're going to mix it up a little bit. A little bit of uh, light football talk for our Thursday podcast because we do have two weeks. Uh, Pro Bowl is fucking stupid. We're not going to talk about that. I uh, got a lot going on with baseball. I know they're oh, they're meeting up. The owners, or excuse me, yeah, the owners in the MLB PA are meeting up to talk about the lockout. We've got a new cover athlete for MLB The Show we want to talk about. Um, and then, of course, it's basketball season. All-Star Weekend is coming up here pretty soon. So we're going to mix it in a little bit before the Super Bowl, but obviously we'll be back with a pitcher bet. We'll be back with our picks for the Super Bowl, of course. And then as always, follow us, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at PitcherBetPod. Thank you all. We appreciate you. Peace out.